Today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, we're talking the art of tag team wrestling. Plus, your promo about something. Actually, it's a little more than something. Um, not nothing, but it is something. But first, tell them, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing, episode 164, a production of Crackpot Podcast. My name is not Mike Crockett, but it is Mike Mills, and I'm a longtime podcaster, former independent pro wrestler from the Deep South, and the host of Booking the Territory, the very unprofessional wrestling podcast where the jokes are not politically correct as we cover classic professional wrestling. Enough of me for now, though, because joining me on this podcast is veteran of the independent Matt Wars and is now a contracted wrestler with Ring of Honor Wrestling, one half of the ROH Tag Team, The Bouncers, he is the brawler, Brian Malonis. Brian, how you doing, pal? Well, you got Mike Crockett. What's going on here? Well, um, Crockett had a bit of a family emergency, so I got called in to fill in. And I've actually been on this show a few times, three times. I can't remember. And now I'm here to host it, which is very awkward, I must say. But <laughs> it is weird. We're the curtain jerkers. We always say we're the curtain jerkers of pro wrestling podcasting. We'll peel back the curtain here. Mike did have a family emergency. Uh, happy to report to everybody who um, knows Mike or listens to the show. Uh, everybody's doing well. You know, everything's good now. Uh, so, but Mike just, you know, has, has to take care of some family responsibilities um, this week. But everybody's good. So, I uh, know we did receive a lot of, you know, people reaching out and whatnot. And I, I'm, I think Mike was responding to people. But uh, everything's good now. Now, everything's good in the Crockett household, and he should be back next week. But, uh, you know, I, I reached out to you because, of course, Mike Crockett's not, not going to reach out to you. <laughs> and then I said, you know, and I, and I was very honest. I said, Mike, I need you to be – I need you to sit in the big chair <laughs> because I'm fucking terrible at being the host of this show. I am much better just being me. <laughs> Let's be real. I don't think I'm anything special at it either, but uh, I do understand when you're used to doing a certain role, it's kind of hard to jump out of a, a role that you're in and, like, I guess, lead the show from segment to segment. So I totally understand. It is what it is, but I'm glad to be here. I wonder, you know, because I pissed off a lot of people the first time I was on this show. So <laughs> I'm wondering how many people are going to hang with us today. That's my biggest concern. Uh, that North versus South thing, I got some hate mail from that. I mean, there were some of your friends who were calling me a hillbilly and telling me that all kind of, yeah, go screw myself. And I'll whatnot, tell Brian Fury to be nice. <laughs> I wasn't Brian Fury. It was... Um, it was it was a few other people. I won't mention their names. I, there's no heat, obviously. It's all in fun. But uh, if you're wondering what we're talking about, we're talking about the North versus the South. Brian and I had an uncivil war as uh, he tried to convince me that the WWF style of wrestling was the best, and I convinced him that it wasn't, and that was that. And I think <laughs> I think the vote ended up being the South definitely won. Um, and you blamed it on 
my larger following than yours, uh, as far as podcasts at the time, you were like, oh, no, he just got his minions to vote. And but the vote, if you do recall, I forget the total tally, but I did win for the record. But we're all cool now. Brian and I get along very well. We actually get along much better than Crockett and I because, oh, dear God, Crockett, I'm going to make it especially hard on you editing this show uh, today. And I will leave it at that. So lots of, ble- uh, I don't lots know. of bleeps and bloops. and. <laughs> I'm going to try to be good. You know, I, I, I do, you know, the unprofessional wrestling podcast book in the territory is balls to the wall. You can say anything you want, but I also do the uh, mid South wrestling podcast, television review show, uh, where it's clean. So I don't curse on that. So I'm going to try to stay closer to the vest because yeah, I know sometimes, man, it's um, a lot of people don't want to hear those F bombs constantly. So I'm going to try to keep it clean today. It, uh, we'll go from there. Mike, well, then uh, I'm in trouble because uh, when I'm on here, I let the expletives fly, buddy. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. I can't do it on Ring of Honor television. Well, they see, that's the thing. I mean, that's the beauty of podcasting. It's just kind of like the Wild West. You can kind of just do what you want and say what you want. I mean, to a certain point, you can't like, you know, accuse people of things. And you have to use that word allegedly a lot uh, whenever you're speculating about things. But you're right. I mean, it's open airwaves and just uh, say it. And there's uh, hopefully no repercussions. But hey, I got uh, a qu- I, hold on. Before you move on, I got a question for you. Sure. So you listen. you listened to last week's show, right? I actually have listened to it. Um, I listened to it the day it dropped. Um, you know, Mike Crockett got it out late for some reason. I'm just kidding, Crockett. Don't... <laughs> so you heard me talk a lot about Paul Roma. Yeah. And my interactions with him. Great guy, by the way. I loved interacting with him. I told him how much I hated him as a kid. What are your thoughts on Paul Roma as a member of the Four Horsemen? I have talked about that a bunch of times on BTT. And, like, here's the thing. You know... I, I, let me give something away here. I, I'm basically in my mid 40s at this point. So if you do that timeline and timetable and, and lay it out as far as when the horseman became a thing in 1986, the the version of the horseman that I look at as the version that's the horseman will always be Ole, Arn, Tully and Ric Flair. I can somewhat even Luger, who became the next member once Ole was kicked out, I, I see him as a horseman, but it's still he's still not the original. Even then, Barry Windham is not an original, but I, you know, he still was a horseman. Once you start getting beyond those six guys, I have trouble seeing like him as a horseman, him being Paul Roma. So, and that's not anything against Paul Roma, but for me as a fan, and again, I am the prototype of the kid who grew up watching Mid-South Wrestling in the early 80s through the mid-80s and NWA Saturday Night on TBS. That is my time frame. That is that is everything I watched as a kid. Um, and I watched some WWF too, but I don't see Roma as a horseman. Now, again, I know he was, but if you're asking me what do I think about him as a horseman, in my mind, it just doesn't compute. It's like... It's almost like, do you remember the Dukes of Hazard yes. as a kid, Brian? Do you remember that show? I do you do. remember when they tried to replace the Bo and Luke and they brought in two guys or yeah, whatever? It was like cousins of theirs or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like that. It's like the, he was like a cousin, but he never really was a horseman. Even though they called him a horseman, 
He really never was to me. So, and that's not a shot at Roma, Paul Roma or anything. I mean, like you said, great guy. It's just when I think of the Four Horsemen, he is one of the last folks that comes to my mind as a four as a member of the Four Horsemen. I think you, I think you and a lot of people. And the funny thing is, as a and, and, and it's funny, I gave I gave you shit and talked about how I'm a WWF guy, but I I watched WCW and I watched Crockett Promotions. Like I watch as much wrestling as I could. But when I even think of Paul Roma's run in WCW, I don't think of the Horsemen. I think of Pretty Wonderful. So. Uh, I just, you know, you know. Truth be told, Mike, I thought I could get you going on with that one, but uh, you know, I, I failed miserably. <laughs> no, yeah, it's um, again, I, I just, I just don't view him that way. So no, you didn't get me going. Um, I, I think it's easier to get Mike Crockett going because you know he likes to show up late to wrestling events that he's booked on. He likes to eat all the pizza in the back, <clears throat> Astromania. <laughs> Uh, he likes to leave his friends out to dry when they want to go out to eat with him, even though they haven't seen him in a while. Like, you know, I heard Brian Fury ask him, hey, you want to go get a bite to eat after the show? He's like, oh, I stuffed myself on pizza. He gets there five minutes before the match he's supposed to ref, and he stuffs himself <laughs> on pizza. Yes, we're talking about Crockett. Yeah, yeah Ring of Honor's coming back to the the Massachusetts area, They're coming back to Lowell, Massachusetts, which is like 20 minutes from where Crockett lives. It's on a Sunday, so he doesn't have to work. And I'm like, I'm like having to like convince this guy. He doesn't even. He's not even going to have to pay to get in. And oh, by the way, I'm trying. You know, I I'd, I'd like him to maybe see if we can get him backstage to do some damn interviews. And the guy's like wishy washy on it. I'm like, what is the problem here? I love. I left the voicemail on purpose. Now that I have a little bit more time, and I'm not talking to a damn recorder. Well, technically, I am because we're recording a podcast. But I love how the, a couple of weeks ago he said. How he tried to compare him being late to your show to you being late flying across the country. I'm like, if there's never been a more apples to orange and orange comparison, like, come on, Crockett. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was the Barry Mike Crockett segment because it's true. <laughs> I like he tried to come and then he tried to stir the stuff with the whole Montreal screw job. Like, I think he was kind of trying to say. Well, uh, Mike Mill says it's a work. Like, just uh, no, no, no. I didn't say that. I, no. So does Earl Hebner. <laughs> I just let's not. I, I can. I don't even want to talk. We can go on a whole other topic <laughs> about it. it's all the work and the Montreal screw job. It's two guys worked themselves into a shoot. That's what happened. Like it's yeah, it's wrestling. It's the politics of wrestling, and that's what it is. So, uh, Brian, you want to get into this uh, lost art of tag team wrestling? Uh, I think uh, I think we should jump into it now. I do, and so you know, you know, the funny thing about about this is, you know, so this is a week we normally do like a best of, worst of type of thing, which we'll get to in this a little, you know, at the end of it. But you do realize this is Mike Crockett trying to pit us against each other, right? Well, it certainly is. You un- you understand what he's doing? Well, it's the same thing he tried to do when he tried to start the old school versus new school thing, and and we bamboozled him in on the show. <laughs> I forget the the episode number or the title, but it was something like. I think it was like old school versus new school. And he just assumed that like we would be at each other's throats and be ready to kill each other. And then I went on and started basically putting over all sorts of young talent like, you know, Rowan Hansen and uh, the bu- I even put over the Bucks and, I, you know, the Briscoes. I-, I literally went down the list of at the time, I think ROH's roster. Uh, if 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 my timeline isn't right, I'm sorry, but I think I went down almost the list of ROH's roster and he just was like, and this is before you were even working for ROH regularly. And he just was like, huh, 
You know, he he was he was bamboozled. He got he got he got swerved as uh, Russo. <laughs> he was says. so disappointed. <laughs> he was because he was looking to you know pit people against each other because he's a shit stir. There it is, my first word I dropped, Brian. Uh, but you are right. This has the potential for like uh, us to be at each other's throats because, you know, North versus South when it when you come to art of tag team wrestling. I mean, you grew up on a WWF. You tell me, like, first off, what are your thoughts on, like, tag team wrestling as a person who grew up on the WWF? Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and, and ironically now, somebody who makes a living in a tag team. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, by the way, which, by the way, um, when I was on the indies, I, I, was, I grew up a tag team wrestling fan. I loved tag team wrestling. I preferred that. Uh, over singles any day of the week it just was so fun to put the matches together and just it just was a lot tag team wrestling was was just a lot more fun to me than singles but i want to say that as we're getting to this because i am a t- it is it's a lot different you got four guys and but 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 go ahead you were going to say something about the the era of uh or growing up wwf uh, as a wwf fan and tag teams yeah i mean you know it's kind of when you think about you know the era my era the 80s growing up I mean, for the WWF, it was probably the golden era of of tag team wrestling for for the WWF at that point. Because, you know, when I think of, when I think of tag team wrestling when I was a kid, I'm thinking the British Bulldogs, the Hart Foundation, Demolition, the Rockers, uh, the tw- I mean, uh, a tag team. Uh, I think you'll probably agree with me here, which some people don't think of them as a good tag team, but the Twin Towers, love the Twin Towers. Um, but for for WWE, they actually had an established tag team division at the, at that point in time with countless tag teams. I mean, the Killer Bees. Who, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting uh, the Dream Team of Sheik and Volkov. Um, I mean, earlier on, WrestleMania 1, you're thinking like the U.S. Express. So, the, I mean, these are the teams when I think of tag team wrestling, when I think of growing up and and watching and watching wrestling and, and seeing tag teams, these are the guys that, um, that immediately – you know, come to mind for me, and I, I know how you, how you feel about North versus South and this and that. But there are some some damn good tag teams, you know, in in, the, in those mix. Yeah, no, you make actually a really good point because I, when we did the North versus South, I, I do, I will repeat, I do feel like Demolition was a complete ripoff of the Road Warriors. I don't care what Bruce Pritchard says because um, I've heard him say it on his podcast. They were a ripoff of your Lord Humongous. <laughs> I mean. Well, you could make. Yeah, kind of, I guess, but I think they were still more of a ripoff of the Road Wars, and and the the Rockers were a ripoff of the Rock and Roll. But to the point you're making, like that era, the Hart Foundation. I mean, I was a I was a fan of them. I mean, I was a big Bret Hart fan, so I I, I love them, and I thought Jim the Anvil Nightheart was just. Um, I just think of him as just this powerhouse of that team, even though he wasn't like a huge, huge guy, but just the way he worked, he was, he was just powerful in his style. The Hart Foundation was really good. The British Bulldogs. Yeah. They, they actually had during that time with all those teams, the Rockers, even the Brain Busters. I mean, Tully and Arn went up there. They had some really good tag teams. And the irony is, like you said, you don't even think about, at least especially a WWF fan nowadays or WWE fan nowadays wouldn't even think of that organization that we're talking about up north as being a great tag team organization, even though today they, they actually have some great tag teams. I just don't think they showcase them. Um, so it's 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 funny how, yeah, a, a, an organization that like no longer really does a lot with them at a time they had a really strong 
established tag team division. Yeah, I mean they were main event feuds. Like I think of the Bulldogs versus, and I and I and I, I obviously have to go back and actually look, but I, I imagine the days that where they were running A Town, B Town, C Town. I you got to think the Bulldogs versus the Hart Foundation were main eventing and selling out some arenas around the country. I mean that was a top top of the card main event uh you know main event level feud um that bulldogs and heart foundation thing and it feels like it went on forever but i just remember as a kid like that that sticks out so much you had the danny davis twist but you know the tag team division in the 80s in the wwf was well it's something that probably it's lacked for a long time which it lacks it had depth and then you actually had, you know, you had main event level tag team feuds. You had mid card tag team feuds, and then you kind of had the bottom of the rung tag team. So you, even just within that division, you had like a hierarchy. You know the irony of what you're saying if you think about it right now with um with WWE and and I, I don't really want to make this about WWE, but I'm gonna make I'm gonna draw a point to what you're talking about how they had so many teams right now in WWE. You know you got you got a Raw tag champ and you got a SmackDown tag champ. Um, in NXT, if you want to count that too, whereas now they don't showcase enough tag teams to like almost, even though they have the supposed to have two different brands, but where you can have like, you know, enough tag teams for both brands. Whereas back then they had one belt, one tag belt, you know, one tag team title uh, belt and but you had enough teams where you probably could have had two tag champs. Yeah, it's the, just it's kind of ironic when you think about it like that. I mean, the NWA had two sets of tag titles, right? They had the national and right the national tag team champions, and then and then the then the, the world tag team champions. Correct. Well, you, you got to go back. It's it, it it gets confusing because like in Jim Crockett Promotions, yeah, you you because you had so many different territories, and then once like JCP Jim Crockett Promotions of uh, kind of got merged in with like NWA and Saturday Night and all that. You you at one point you literally had like a national US and world. Um, they actually ended up um, doing away with the with the national titles, and then I remember it was like eighty six, eighty seven. They brought back the the US titles. So then, uh, but the the moment you're talking about. Probably is like from that '87 time frame and on. Yeah, you had you had a U.S. tag champ, and then you had the world tag champ. So yeah, you had that. But yeah, prior to it, you also had national tag champs because like in '85, Arn and Ole were the were the national tag champions, and at the same time, you had a world tag champ. So yeah, um, and again, there were so many teams back then. You literally had enough teams to make it work. You didn't. Heck, they even had six man tag champs at that point too but you had so many teams that you you could make it work which which is ironic because again to the point you're making wwf at that same time had tons of tag teams but they had one belt and like you said they had they were so deep with tag teams at one point that you literally had pretty much main event tag teams and, and mid card and lower card tag teams let me ask you this, Mike. Do you think we you know with the with the all the so I, I, you look at it where where WWE WWF was essentially one organization at that point, even though they had all these teams, so they just had the one tag champs. Now, do you think there's something to um, with JCP slash NWA having those different tag champs? Do you think that had something to do with the level of where NWA was still essentially multiple territories and guys going all over the place, and was that a way to have? you know, belts go to multiple territories at the same time. Yes. I mean, that was part of it. Cause there was, there was still, again, it, I'd, I'd have to get into a whole history lesson about like, you know, once, once Crockett, you know, it basically has the time slot in 85, um, you know, for the Saturday night show, you literally have, you know, a ton of belts being merged into 
you know, what's World Championship Wrestling, but they're NWA. And at the time, you technically still had territories that were still around. And it, 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 it got very confusing. But there is something to that where there were still territories out there, uh, although they were starting to get to the point where they were on life support. There were still territories out there where you had those different tag belts. And that's that is part of it. Like like I believe the. Somebody out there will tell me I'm wrong, but I believe like even the national tag titles, like those were left over from I don't say left over were from like Mid Atlantic and so which was a Crockett promotion. So that all kind of you know culminated when they took over that TBS time slot and whatnot. So again, I don't want to get into the whole, the whole history lesson of it, but yeah, there is there's definitely a lot to that, and it's even more than that. Like at one point, this is how confusing it got in the NWA uh, in Jim Crockett Promotions on Saturday night. You literally had a national champion and you had a U.S. champion. So <laughs> think about how confusing that is. Um, as, as a viewer, you're like, well, what's the difference? And eventually they did merge them in, a, in the winner took home one title. But yeah, to the point you're making, a lot of that is because of the, the territories that were still around and, and you, you've got different belts being defended in different places. There is something to that. Uh, which, again, WWF didn't have that, uh, if you want to call it a problem, or they didn't have that situation. They were the WWF. They were their own entity. They only had the one belt, and that was it, the one, the one set of tag titles and that was it right so how about you mike so when you're growing up and i i you know you're i think i think you're a little bit older than i am so when you when you're a kid you're 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 fondly remembering you know falling in love with pro wrestling and tag team wrestling like who are the teams when you're a kid so this is funny as you ask that i'm gonna take people way back uh to the early 80s uh 83 and 84 time frame so the one of the first tag teams I ever saw uh, would would have been a combination of teams with the Junkyard Dog, actually. So, like, he actually had a tag team partner called Mike George. He also tagged with Mr. Olympia. He had multiple tag partners where they were the Mid-South tag team champions. So that's kind of um, one tag team. When you keep going further into Mid-South, you get the Rock and Roll Express. And you get the Midnight Express. So I have literally probably watched those teams almost like my entire wrestling life. Uh, So and as you know, Midnight and Rock and Roll, not only did they tear it up in the Mid-South, but then once they go to to the TBS show, they are just ripping it up. So there's, you know, they, they are the main two, even after I'm talking about dog. But those teams are the main two teams that just they just tore it up. I mean, they were. They set records throughout the Mid-South Territory with, uh, you know, just packing fans in the buildings, you know, seven days a week and twice on Sunday. Uh, and rightfully so. I mean, they just they had the formula down for tag team wrestling. Ricky Morton, you've heard the story a million times. He would sell damn near crying, beating his, you know, they're beating the hell out of him. Hot tag, you know, and 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 the rest is history. Robert Gibson comes in, cleans house. <laughs> so it's like it's like me and the Bruiser. Bruiser gets a snot beat out of him, and then I make the hot tag. That's that's, that's kind of what we do. <laughs> which remind me, because I actually want to talk to you about that because you guys are are different as a team, especially now as faces. There, there's something that I want to talk to you 
about related to that as we talk about current wrestling and current like tag teams. But yeah, those guys, I mean, they would make the hot tag. The Midnight in, in Rock and Roll, if you've never, I mean, I'm assuming a lot of people know about that feud. They set like records. They were tearing each other up all across the South. And then they go to Crock Promotions in the you know, Saturday Night Show. They're on TBS doing the same thing like, you know, for another two years. But not only that. So you had you had those teams and then you had Arn and Ole. And you want to talk about uh, just a fantastic tag team. Those two guys were just money. Both of them were tremendous promos. They were, when you talk about heel tag teams, they were the epitome to me of a heel tag team too, just like the Midnight Express, because like they would cut off the ring. The psychology of it was just perfect where again, it's the mid eighties The you know, kayfabe is still alive. Everyone thinks it's real. They cut off that ring. They would use the cheat tactics to make sure that, you know, the fans were getting hot and getting mad. It just was perfect tag team wrestling for his time. And then Arn started tagging with Tully in like 87 and, and then on to 88. And then eventually they go up to the WWF and become the Brain Busters. So, um, I mean, those, so I'm giving you four teams right there that were just, just great teams with the Rock and Roll, the Midnight. And when I say the Midnight, I'm talking the Stan Lane version and the Dennis Condry version with Bobby Eaton. I think they were, I think they were both equally as good, in my opinion. Arn and Ole, Arn and Tully. So, I mean, you just had fabulous tag teams during that time um that doesn't even get into like nikita and ivan koloff they they i'm not gonna tell you they were a great team but ivan koloff was just a tremendous promo if you go back and listen to some of those saturday night shows they they were just they were tremendous i'm gonna <laughs> give you saying, a don't, don't say nikita koloff was a great pro- promo. no 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 uh, we make <laughs> because, fun of nikita all the time <laughs> oh he literally would speak gibberish and they'd say it's Russian. yes yeah but if you go back it, it yeah no nikita wasn't um ivan if you go back and watch those shows man he was just he literally i mean to us sounded like a russian i mean he he was just the way he cut his promos and he knew what he was doing he was just he was just out of it. he was so good i'll tell you an underrated tag team from the mid 80s in crockett promotions and that was Rick Rude and, and Manny Fernandez. They were managed by Paul Jones. Uh, Rick Rude was the perfect prick in heel. It was he just he was he was great. It was tremendous. Uh, and of course, I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Royal Warriors. I mean, they, you know, demolition stole their gimmick in the WWF. It is what it is. I know you don't <laughs> oh, agree, boy. but uh, the Royal Warriors, man. I mean, they were they were they were. A freaking fantastic badass tag team that would come in there and bludgeon you, and uh, yeah, they were they were damn good, man. So those are my uh, those are my teams when you talk about the Southern tag teams and um and what what I enjoyed. And again, I, I grew up on tag team wrestling, and you know it was showcased in Mid South. It was showcased on on the old Saturday Night Show. Cornette was the manager of the Midnight Express, and he was phenomenal, man. He was just, hell, he's still cutting promos to this day. I mean, he's making everybody mad to this day. Jim, Jim um, Cornette, yeah. He's, I, think he, <laughs> you know, and you, I think you know him a little bit. So I, my, my, here's my take on Jim Cornette. I, I think he <laughs> believes about half of what he freaking says. I do think he works himself <laughs> into a shoot quite a bit. And he's a genius fucking marketer. He spews out some nonsense, and it, it's, how, it's, the, it's how we're it's how Howard Stern. It's, it, you ever see the Howard Stern movie? And uh, the people who hate him listen to him twice as much as the uh, you know the people who love him listen to him. I don't 
don't know about that, but uh, the, the people who hate him. But he 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 knows he knows how to cut promos to this day. And knows how to draw heat. He knows how to draw money. He's making a living. <laughs> oh, D, damn well, yeah. He knows how to draw heat and money even to this day. But you know, he was just a he he was like the straw that stirred the drink, especially in mid south between the midnight and the the rock and roll. Uh, because he would talk that he would you know you think about it, Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton weren't promo guys. I mean, it was corny talking to talking to people into the building and drawing out that heat. I forgot one other tag team, uh, the Fantastics. They came after the rock and roll, but they were great. And also, I can I cannot forget you knew them as the freaking Bushwhackers. <laughs> I knew them as what I call the Briscoes of the '80s when they were the Sheep Herders, and they were some vicious sons of bitches. Holy crap! They had wars with the Fantastics that would rival anything you've ever seen uh, heat-wise when you're talking about wrestling. They had some vicious wars uh, with those guys, man. They bled across the territories in the South, man. So, And then WWE turned them into a cartoon with the Bushwhackers. But, uh, yeah, those are some great Southern you know tag teams. funny about the Bushwhackers? Maybe I'm misremembering where I saw them, but I feel like uh, they, they, were, they were world-class guys, right? Oh, uh, the Bushwhackers. I'm trying to think. No, they I feel were. Like I saw they were UWF guys. They were UWF guys, and um, maybe that's what it was. Because I remember seeing videos of them, and I and I for some reason it stuck out as as on Heroes of World Class Championship Wrestling, where they they kind of repurposed um, some older world class footage, and and they would show it in syndication. But I remember seeing matches of theirs on tv and i don't I, I couldn't tell you what promotion it was but while they were in the wwf as the bushwhackers there there was uh, and I, I remember it vividly as a kid and being conf- utterly confused being a eight <laughs> nine ten year old kid however i was this was the same team can you imagine the shock on my face when I saw these dudes who had wars with the Fantastics in the UWF? Because that was my home territory. You know, mid-top became UWF uh, with Bill Watts, and then Watts sold to Crockett in 87. Um, can you imagine the the horror on my face when I saw those dudes who were literally, like, uh, basically criminals in, in murderers almost, and they were licking babies? <laughs> I, I was like, what the hell did they do? And even to this day, my co-host and I, Doc, we talk about this. We're like, that's the reason why we never want to see the Briscoes go to the WWF or WWE now. We're like, we don't want them to turn into what the Bushwhackers were, where the Bushwhackers were these freaking vicious people. And then a couple years later, they're licking babies. Literally, <laughs> they're licking freaking babies, man. You want to talk about something that doesn't hold up well? Licking babies? The Bushwhackers licking kids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> could, you yes. Imagine a, could you imagine uh, Hanson or Roe or, excuse me, Ivar or Jesus Eric coming Christ. down the aisle and grabbing a kid and licking them in 2019? Holy shit. <laughs> if, if, if I ever see Hanson <laughs> licking a kid <laughs> coming down the aisle, I'm, I'm going to pass out and go, no, I can't watch wrestling anymore. But it's just, the thing is, it would be the lawsuits that would come because. Oh. They would be arrested. They yes. would have to register, like with, with, well, with wherever, whatever neighborhood they lived in. Like it would be a freaking thing. Oh. Here's the other thing: your kids are younger than my, your kids are a lot younger than mine. Imagine if you're just sitting there with your son. How old's your son now? I forget. He's, th- he's three. 
Okay, let's say you got your son. Let's say a year ago when he's two and he's still like in a terrible twos. The bushwhackers <laughs> come down the aisle and they grab your son's head and freaking lick it. As a parent, I would be like, why are you licking my kid? One thing, I'm not going to hand my kid or reach lean my kid over to the bushwhacker and say, lick his head. On the flip side, if you are the bushwhackers doing the licking, Jesus, like gross. <laughs> people are gross. Like, don't like other people. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is the difference between northern and southern tag teams in general. We took a well, you southern know, how tag team. How much more team. money did they make licking people than bleeding all over the place, though? Well, here's something interesting. So I have Bobby Fulton from the Fantastics on my show about a year and a half, maybe even two years ago now. And he was telling me a story about like whenever he would see the Bushwhackers, like at different conventions and stuff and whatnot. He said that... Like they would get to talk and he goes, man, he's like, you'd be surprised. He's like, yeah, people remember us from that, um, you know, from our WWF run. But he goes, a lot of people still ask questions about the the um, UWF run with those teams and how much they hated each other and how because people forget that the UWF TV, they went national um, and, and they had a good reach. It's just that there were numerous problems and uh, the bottom started falling out. So, you know, they didn't make and they sold a crock of promotions, but they had a good reach. So, like, he was saying that a lot of times, like him and the Bushwhackers, when they would get to talking or sheep herders, depending on what you know them as, they would always talk about, oh, wow, man, like a lot of people still ask about that feud. So it's just very interesting that there are a lot of people, I guess it's a little different. Like for me, I've seen both versions of them. And I think the WWF version was just very stupid. Whereas for you, like you said, you only saw them when they came in and you saw the licking babies version. And then when you saw them having these wars or clips, you didn't even see whole matches, but clips, you were like, what the hell? It's like you're in a time warp or something, right? Yeah. I mean, the way I kind of look at it is, uh, and it's funny, I actually saw Bushwhacker Luke uh, uh, last weekend. That's right. That's right. I heard and you say I said that. hello to him because I've wrestled him before, but... Um, you know, it, it's funny. It was almost like that was the end of their career retirement plan, sort of. Stuff. Kind of. Like, you know, we we killed ourselves doing all this shit. Let's go take what uh, WWF is paying in the '80s, and uh, you know, because I mean, really, that was the towards the tail end of their 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 run in the big time, essentially. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. And like, I mean, I like I said, I I, I kind of think about them a lot, and. They, if there was ever a polar opposite from what they were in one place versus another, like you could look at the Road Warriors, and I think, I don't know, to me, their time in the NWA in the Southern Territories versus their time in the WWF, I don't want to say it was the same, but I can't say there was a huge difference. But like when you look at the Bushwhackers from WWF versus you know, UWF and Crocker Promotions and whatnot, mainly UWF. I mean, they, they, they were bleeding every night, dude. They were juicing cage matches every night. It was, it was just insane. So it was like a totally different environment and totally different thing that they became once they left. So it's just tremendous. I mean, I can say that too, I guess about demolition when you think about, you know, who who they well technically who they were i mean they were a whole different gimmick so obviously they were different but the bushwhackers i mean you knew them as the bushwhackers and the sheep herders but still they were just so totally different that the, the change and yeah to the point you made they probably they pretty much hit their retirement plan yeah when you saw the subject we we're going to talk about mike did you think we'd spend 10 minutes on the bushwhackers slash sheep herders 
I not that you not that you say it. It's like it's a great example of the North and the South as it comes to tag teams. It's a great example of the difference in the two. Like I don't think I'm I'm sure if I sat down and really started thinking about it, I can think of a number of others that would be like, yeah, that was a lot different. But when I think of just a polar opposite of two guys that were so much different, literally, you know, they didn't have mask on, face paint or whatever. They all they did was change the name from the Sheepers to the Bushwhackers. But to be so different in those characters and again, one of them's bleeding every night and the other ones are walking out licking babies. <laughs> Polar opposites. So which 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 brings me to my um I guess my next point. You know, you think about uh disappearing tag teams and whatnot and how tag teams like I feel like once we got past the Monday Night Wars, and I checked out of wrestling for a while, so I'll need you to correct me on this after like the 2001 time frame. But, you know, we got past the Monday Night Wars, and like I was a big Harlem Heat fan. I loved Booker and Stevie Ray, and, you know, there were there were other tag teams as well in, in WCW. But we get past like once WCW goes under or, or is bought by McMahon, and I don't know, like it feels like tag teams just poof history and i know there were tag teams the hardies i mean i'm not saying that there weren't but it just felt like um you know besides maybe like the hardies and the dudleys and whatnot i don't know is it just my perception or do you feel like they died once the 2000s came well i feel i feel like that's like the tail end of like tag teams like on on top sort of thing and um you know you know it's, it's funny and i i kind of almost like sean michaels syndrome because people still talk about it today like the minute they see a successful tag team it's starting to try to evaluate who's going to be the sean michaels who's going to be the marty Janetti, without the realization that they were tag teams that stayed together for the entirety of their careers and were and you know you think of you think of the road warriors and you know i think of like some of the like hawk was a singles guy i think at couple different times but largely they were a tag team for the entirety of their career were on top of the entirety of their career but people don't view it so that late 90s early 2000s i view as almost like the tail end because you had you had you had the Hardy Boys, you had the Dudley Boys, and Edge and Christian, and that famous feud and those famous matches. But after that, I mean, it was while those teams kind of stuck around, like they, they they broke every one of them up essentially at some point. And you know, like the Dudley, like why were the Dudley Boys ever broken up? You know, why why were the Hardy Boys ever broken up? You know, I, I so yeah, I mean, then you kind of look at and I, and I was looking at this earlier, and I kind of I kind of wrote down some of these like mishmash like wwe loves the odd couple sort of tag team champions or random sort of uh you know tag team champions so here i'll, I'll give you sort of a list here mike uh, and i'll run through some of the more interesting pairings of of tag team champions in, in the early part of the 2000s you had stone cold and triple h random tag team chris jericho and the rock spike dudley and taz Rico and Rikishi, Jeez. Edge and Hulk Hogan, Hurricane and Kane, Booker T and Goldust, William Regal and Lance Storm, Chief Morley and Lance Storm. I mean, this is not the who's who of – I mean, some of these guys are obviously some of the top names in the business, but it was mishmash tag teams. I mean, you're, you're I'm looking at it here, 2006 – Rick Flair and Roddy Piper, tag team yeah. champions. I mean, yeah. <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you make a good point. Like, I didn't even think about it like that, but you're right. A lot of, they, they started combining 
and they weren't really teams as much as they were just two guys kind of thrown together. And that's a great point when you think about the Midnight Expresses and the Rock and Roll Expresses, because those guys literally were teams for years. Like they were just together. That was, I mean, I guess we could throw the term out. They were tag team specialists. They not only worked together for a long time, they dressed alike, had the same gear, you know, and even early in R. I mean, they, they both had the red tights. Um, so then they, they literally looked a little bit alike. So, yeah, that's a see, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you that's a that's a sure sign of just like tag team division dying because you're just throwing together two guys. And it's not that those names that you name, they're obviously very talented, but they're not like tag teams, right? They're right. not real teams. They're just two guys thrown together. Which that makes a huge difference. Uh and and think about this, Mike, too. At this at this time, so you hear all those random teams they've thrown together. When and, and then you think about the fact that at the same time they had broken up the Dudley Boys and they had broken up the Hardy Boys, who were both phenomenal tag teams. So you had those they're trying to make them single stars, and then they're taking two guys. It really what WWE would do: two guys. Well, we don't really know what to do with these these two guys. Um, or a lot of times, I'm sorry, this is this is probably terrible to say, but uh, two guys who are of the same ethnicity and they just throw them together. Like, oh, let's make them a team. Like you know, it's it's. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You, you're right. It's uh, and you can't you can't do that with tag teams. I mean, it, you gotta see. Here's the thing: you don't have to look alike, but you you probably should have close to matching either gear or colors helps or or a style as well. Like in your attire, if that makes sense, like. I think there should be something to that. There should be like, okay. And I don't want to, you know, people going to say, Oh, you're just saying that. Cause you're on a, you're recording with Brian. Like, I think you and bruiser look like a team because y'all are actually unique. ROH typically is, has been smaller teams. Well, here we go. We're going to put the two biggest guys we got and they're going to be a team, which that's different in, 2019 2018 you you a long time ago you you may have had something like that where you put two big guys together but nowadays it's like no you got all these smaller teams and i said the same thing about actually hansen and roe uh, years ago when like when they were in roh so like they they were different so you know and they 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 the gimmick and the gear and the beards and all that all that makes sense so yeah you're right if you don't have that and you're just throwing two guys together it doesn't have the semblance of a team because I mean you and I are both sports guys. You you like the Lakers. I have no clue why. God, I hate them. Um, but for the anyway. last five six years, I don't know why either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no. So we're sports guys. Like so, you think about it. You know, I'm a Saints fan. You're a Steelers fan. One of the great things about football, like literally, you got uniforms and you look alike. You know, you're out there with your teammates, and I think that's part of tag team wrestling. And whenever you got just a mismatch of teams. Especially at the higher level, too, Brian. It, we're not talking independence right here. Because sometimes on independence, you know, some guys are kind of thrown together to put a tag team together on certain cards. It's a little bit different. Um, but if you're talking WWF, especially the era you're talking about, they're literally the only game and the biggest game in town at that point. Why were we just throwing together mixed match teams and we were breaking up actual teams? It's a it's a weird thing, and I neither are, and Brian and I don't have the answer, but it's just a weird thing that happened during that time. And tag team wrestling truly did pretty much die. It was, and at the same time, Brian, there were still two champions, right? There was a SmackDown and and, and Raw, right? During all that, 
yeah, they still had two tag team champions, and really, you didn't even have enough tag teams to fill, you know, one one tag team. Right. And, and here they are running two at the time, and it was just so. Yeah, it was. It's it's you know, if if the eighties were kind of like the golden era of tag team wrestling for WWE, then the you know early you know two thousands, you know, the first decade of the two thousands especially was just the dregs of um, tag team wrestling because. I mean, you even think of one one of my buddies, Kofi Kingston, and he's how many times he's had the tag team titles, but with how many partners? At yeah, this point, you know, uh, it's it's insane. He was tag partners with not only New Day, but oh my God, the name is I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Matt Seidel. He would uh, who yeah, was airborne. he? Airborne. Yes, I remember that. Um, who else was he a tag team champion with? Anyone? Oh, else? Man, I can't putting, remember yeah, off the top of my head. Yeah, no, I don't mean to do that me to on you. The spot here. <laughs> but you know, you know, you're right. You're right when you say that. It's like, um, you know, it's kind of two guys thrown together, and I don't know. You know, even well, even Kofi. Just, I, they don't. We don't know what to do with these guys. Hey, make them a tag team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I guess that's part of it. But it's just a really weird thing that they went through in the, in that 2000s time period and beyond. You know, once WCW was gone, you're just throwing together these teams. And I mean, there were there were teams here and there, but like the, you just named a bunch of teams that I totally forgot. That and again, I stepped away from wrestling for a while watching it. But did you know why you forgot about them though? I mean, because they're forgettable. I mean, it's not uh, how notable. Many, how many tag team partners has you know the the Big Show had randomly as is to, you know? Yeah, uh, I mean, Jarrah Show, Show Miz. It, when you think of great tag teams, why don't you remember these? Because they weren't great tag teams, and it wasn't a great era, and it was all completely forgettable. That's a great point because if it was something memorable, or if it was something that I guess made sense. If I can say it like that, you would remember it a lot better. Yeah, like you know, I think you think of like current day, like you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, people are going to remember the new day. You know what I mean? Like uh, people yes. are going to remember the Usos. They're going to talk about these teams because they're teams that have that are good and have been together for a long time and that have done memorable things. And they're, they're and they're actual teams. Like when you think about again, I go back to that sports analogy for you and I. They're actual teams. Like it's not the same, but you and I think of the Saints and the Steelers. And good lord, your meltdowns uh, during football season on Twitter. So I know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, just it's just random thoughts just popped in my mind as I'm thinking about teams. But they're teams, and like the New Day is a team. So you think about them as an actual team. So you're right. Yeah, there's something to that. The Usos, they're an actual team. Uh, you know, if we get into like current wrestling, the, the revival, which, dear God, I think they're one of the best tag teams in the world. Uh, you know, you think about them and how great they are. It's you get their actual teams and people will probably remember them because they were teams and they stuck together for a while. And there's something to that when you stick together for a while and you actually kind of look alike, dress alike. You and when I say look alike, I don't mean like to the point you made you of you know two people of the same race. I mean you literally dress alike. You have the same style, right, matching complement each. Yeah, matching gear, complementing not even just gear always, but you complement each other well. I think there's something to that. I mean, I, I I agree. You know, I think about 15 years from now, I'm gonna look back. You know, if I'm still on this planet, and I'll say, man. The Briscoes, that was a hell of a team. I'll look back and look at War Machine because I, I, I still call them War Machine. I have trouble with the, <laughs> the different names. Um, Hanson, I think you guys are fantastic as a team. I know you listen to this often, so I just want to put that out there, man. I've, I've been a fan of you guys for years. But seriously, 
just I'll think of them as a team and be like, that was a hell of a team. Um, so it's there is a lot to that when you think about tag teams where you, we're not saying that about the 2000s, uh, which brings us to current teams. Like, I mean, you know, I know you're a team in ROH right now with the uh, Bruiser. Like, who are your favorite current teams? I mean, I mean, so Crockett's going to listen to this and, and call me a total shill, but uh, no, he I mean, can my, go to hell. <laughs> and um, I mean, my favorite team on the planet, and with apologies to one of one of my best friends <laughs> on the earth, uh, uh, Warbeard Hansen slash Ivar, which the Viking Raiders are one of my favorite teams. But my favorite team on the planet is is the Briscoe Brothers. There's just you know. <laughs> When the, I think of just even as somebody in the locker room, uh, like I like I want to watch their matches. Like they're 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 you know if if I'm in the locker room and and I'm just getting back from a match and I'm changing and I oh oh the Briscoes are on right now. I I got to go watch this one. I can't miss this one. Like I can't I can't miss this match. Um, yeah. There's a level of excitement uh, in their matches. Uh, a level of unpredictability and. I think I think when it comes to just so what you know what makes great pro wrestling characters and, and is believability to me and just they are guys that are just so believable and and just come through the television screen uh, as well the Briscoe so they are my favorite team on the planet currently bar none you know with, with, with Paul again apologies to well, you know one of my best friends in the world. <laughs> Well, um, you know, um, who knows, man, they, uh, <laughs> you may have to go through them at some point, you know, to, uh, as far as those ROH titles go. So, uh, with pleasure, with yeah. pleasure. we've wrestled them a couple times and I, I'm just being in the ring with them is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an education in it, in itself because for all the, you know, for all the time I've spent in this business, um, I, I was a singles guy for the majority of my, of my existence in pro wrestling and, you know, so I'm still very much learning a lot of the the nuances uh, that you can only learn by doing it and doing it consistently and doing it with the same partner over and over and over again. So the thing about Jay and Mark, especially Jay, the believability is through the roof with those two dudes. And when I think back to uh, old school wrestling, and I, the thing I always come back to is believability. And that's that becomes harder to convince people once they've like been around the wrestling business. And because once you kind of see how the sausage is made and, you know, that you see how they make the ice cream and all that stuff, it's it's a little harder to like pull the wool over their eyes. But you like look at guys like that and you're like, God, they're real. They're as real as real can get in the context of I'm watching this, even though I know it's a work, they're real. And those guys they they just seem real. And again, I say the same thing about Hanson and Rowe. I was like, those guys look real. They really look like they're going to rip your heads off and tear you a new asshole. <laughs> um, so I, I'm with you. I, I couldn't agree more with, with those two teams. I, I like the revival too, like I was saying. Um, you know, if you want to go DIY from NXT, most definitely. But um, I, th- those those are some of the the, the better teams, uh, 100%. And the Usos. The Usos are, I, I like the Usos as well. I think they're very talented for obvious reasons. I mean, they're not at that level just for, you know, any reason. Uh, my favorite tag team, I'm a little depressed. They, um, what? No, I won't say that. I can't say that. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I was going to say something. No, I won't say it. But no, anyway, seriously speaking, the, um, yeah, man, the Briscoes, uh, they, they're, they're right up there with uh, Hanson and Rowe. 
Yeah, and, and some other guys, and I and I don't know how familiar you are with them. I'm familiar with them um, more so. It's funny, as I'm more so familiar with them from the shows I worked with them over the last few years, uh, and that and that's the former EYFBO and now and now current LAX uh, from from Impact Wrestling, and um, they are guys who I, I I've wrestled. Um, I'd love to wrestle more, and and just if you're not watching watching these guys, then then you're really missing out on something because I, I think they're a, they're a, they're a really good and really special tag team, and um, you know whether it's Impact or, or if they end up somewhere else at some point, like the like they are they are tremendous. And if you're a wrestling fan out there and you're not familiar with them, get familiar with them because they are they are tremendous. You're right. I haven't been keeping up with like Impact and whatnot, but they are a uh, they're a hell of a team. I'm right there with you. Hell of a team. Um, they they I probably. You know, the reach that Impact's getting, I, I guess probably why. And I honestly, Brian, I run out of time to watch wrestling half the time. And I think you can relate to that probably. <laughs> yeah, man. There's a lot, you know, when you factor in, you know, <laughs> factor in all the different promotions and it's it's insane. You only have so many hours in a day. I mean, it'd be a full, <laughs> yeah. let me say this, it would be a full-time job just to watch WWE like yeah. 20 hours a month if you think about that. You know why? Why would you though? You want to watch Ring of Honor, anyways? Oh, hey, yo, oh <laughs> let's talk about that for a second with Ring of Honor because I got something to say. Your Uh-oh. buddy, the one you host, you're not going to this... get me fired, are you? <laughs> no, this ain't about that. This is no, 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 no. I mean, I, I, ROH is the one promotion I faithfully watch every single week, and this has been long before Brian and I were friends, and he started working there. Um, uh, you can go back to uh, when I interviewed Brian Fury on my show before he worked the Top Prospect Tournament. Um, uh, I I interviewed him like in December or January of 2000. Uh, Jan- I think it was January 2016 is the first time Brian Fury was on my show. Um, so I didn't even know you at the time, and I, I was an ROH fan as far back as then. And and yeah, man, I I just like. I watch it. It's one hour. It's an easy watch. I think the Honor Club is a is a damn good deal because of the you get the pay per views and whatnot for for a very low price when you when you do the full Honor Club thing. Plus, you, if you I'm not a merchandise buyer, you know or whatnot. I don't buy a lot of t shirts and stuff. But if I did, fifteen percent off, uh, which I do have a Malonis and Brawler shirt because I, I like to support friends. Uh, Mike right. Crockett. I can't say the same thing about Mike Crockett because he still hasn't watched one of your matches on ROH except. The one he went to at MSG, Brian. Well, he's human garbage, so. <laughs> Do you know how many times you have asked him, Mike, did you see us last week on ROH? Uh, no, Brian, I was busy. Every every match we've had? Every freaking match. Uh, I'm just curious. Are you paying attention to that at all? I've noticed it on this show. He never watches your matches. He never. Oh, no. I'm, I'm, I, am, I am well aware okay. that Mike Crockett does not support me in any way, shape, or form. Uh, he doesn't even have a bouncer's t-shirt because he's too cheap, and I haven't gotten him a handout yet. See, that's what I'm talking about right there. See, <laughs> he's he's probably looking for a free one or something. Mike, you're listening. Support your friend, okay? It's not that difficult. In the words of Kevin Sullivan, I heard them heard him say this on a podcast once. It ain't that fucking hard, guys. Okay. And <laughs> how was my Boston accent right there, Brian? Was it all right? Uh, you know, I'd say uh, uh, C plus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway. Crockett, support your friend, Jesus Lord. I mean, the man is doing the good things at ROH and you don't do it. Anyway, I just wanted to say that as we're talking about ROH and as we're starting to get to the point where we're going to wind down and get into some other things. But Brian, you got one more thing you wanted to talk about. Your favorite and best, I guess, uh, tag match. 
well, one one thing I do I do want to say, Mike, and I think I think we we talked about current state, and um, I, I think we have to. Um, I, I feel like it would feel like blasphemy, even though even though they're no longer with Ring of Honor. But I, I don't think you can mention current state of tag team wrestling with well mention the Young Bucks um, because what they've been able to do on the independent level and 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 basically. Uh, able to you know get to a point where they started their own company, but um, I, I, I think you have to you have to mention them. Uh, and we talked about um, teams that uh, you know survived the test of time and will be long remembered. And I think that I think the Young Bucks are going to be guys who probably without ever having a WWE run are going to be somebody 15, 20, 25 years from now people are still going to talk about. Thoughts? What's your thoughts on the Young Bucks? Actually, it's funny you bring them up because um, I have not always been the biggest fan of them. They kind of grew on me a little more. They're, I remember seeing one of their matches back in ROH, and they literally skipped the lockup and everything and went straight for the super kicks. And I just was like, this is hokey. It doesn't make sense. But what I appreciate about Matt and Nick, and I've never met them, and um, you know, this is funny because like, I, you know I'm a Cornette guy. I, I, I think generally Cornette has <laughs> He's a gotta hate them, <laughs> right? And I think Corny and I think Cornette has a, a great wrestling mind. I do. I'm not. I'm not saying he's right about everything, but I think he has a great wrestling mind, and he's been there and done that. Um, and you know he he doesn't like the Young Bucks because he thinks the whole fun thing and the wrestling's supposed to be fun, and I think the Bucks kind of make things fun the one thing that i don't like is the 50 super kicks sometimes because i'm like you know i grew up watching guys like chris adams and one super kick and you're out cold and dead um so like it takes a little while but i will say this about matt and nick jackson i think creatively they they are very creative i mean i've watched enough of their matches where i respect what they've been able to do and what they've made of themselves at this point, it's incredible what they've done and they they can never go to WWE. They will never have to go to WWE and they will live a good life. And I respect that. And and, um, you know, you've you know them, you've met them. Um, I don't know how they are as like guys outside the ring, but I think they are really good. They're really talented. I see why they're not everyone's cup of tea. But at the end of the day, I'll tell you, like I told you last time we were, we were talking about ROH and new school versus old school. I respect everything that they've done in the business because I know it's not easy to, to make it. And so I respect that. Yeah. And I will, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, uh, uh, they were my best friends and we were riding buddies and stuff like that. I, I, I would describe my relationship with them when they were the ring of honor as, as very casual. Um, but I, but I, Always enjoyed having conversations with them. Um, they were always, not, you know, nothing, nothing short of just humble and gracious guys. And um, you know, when we worked with them in, in Philly, very giving, very open to our ideas. Um, and, and and really, they didn't have to be. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. You know, um, so I, I, you know, 
I have nothing but but nice things and great things to say to say. And again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you like they were my best friends and da 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 and all that and all these things that people love to do. Um, <laughs> but they, they they were guys who I legitimately looked forward to seeing and 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 conversing with and 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 did enjoy the time that we got to work with them. So from my point of view, and I, I've never heard anybody say any different really. Great fellas to be in the locker room with, and I and I did enjoy uh, you know my time around them. Um, however brief <laughs> brief it was. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, like I said, I, I've, like I said, it took me a while. I, I they they grew on me um, over the years. Let me let me put it like that. So, but much respect to them and everything that they've done and and whatnot. I, I think they're uh, two very talented guys, and you know, again, they they made it. You know, they 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 made it, and it, without the machine, the WWE. So, yeah, much crazy. respect to to what they've done. Yeah, yeah, I gotta say that. So, so sorry, I, I cut you off there, Mike. I I, I had an agenda, and, and I wanted to get that agenda in first. And uh, but yeah, you you talked about favorite tag team matches, and this one's going to sound a little off the wall uh but it's a match that if you're a pro wrestling fan or or if you're a wrestler in pro wrestling it's one worth going back it's kind of a it's kind of a hidden gem on a card that some might argue is a one match card and that's wrestlemania 5 you know which is famous obviously for the mega powers exploding but the rockers versus the twin towers you ever seen this match mike I'm sure I have, but nothing's coming to, like the because I've seen WrestleMania five, but it's like not coming to memory. Right. Like I want you to go this week and watch this match, Mike, because this match, and and maybe I'm partial to it because one, I'm a big man; two, I'm part of a big man tag team. Um, but th- this match is a thing of beauty. Just contrast of styles. It's everything pro when you think of like what pro wrestling should be. You know, big man versus little man. Contrast in styles, yin, yin and yang kind of thing. Um, great. You know, phenomenal matchup. Uh, obviously, four four fantastic workers in the match. Um, whether people realize it or not, how good Bossman and 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 Akeem slash One Man Gang uh, were. Uh, you know, um, this is a match. Go back and watch it, folks. So I'll kind of leave you with the hidden gem and and really one of my favorite tag team matches of all time: the Rockers versus the Twin Towers, WrestleMania Five. I'm gonna have to watch it because, it, like I said, it's not sticking out in my mind as a great one, but I will have to watch it. But I guarantee you, wa- you the- watch it and text me, Mike, because I'm telling you, this one is like you. Wa- and I want people at home. I want you to watch this match if you don't remember it, and I want you to tweet at the WPAN on Twitter uh, at Brian Malonis, like hashtag WPAN, whatever you want to do. Watch this match and, and hit me and Mike up, Mike Crockett and Mike Mills. I- I'm telling you, you you it's it's a forgotten match, but you wa- if you watch it, you'll be blown away by it. I will certainly do that. So. I got one for you. I'm almost certain you won't remember this one. Actually, I'm 100% certain you won't, you won't remember this one. Maybe you didn't even see it. But it is from July the 19th, 1986 episode of Saturday Night on TBS. So it's not even a pay-per-view. It was literally just TV taping. It is the Rock and Roll Express versus Arn and Ole. And I just want to tell you, go look at that match from start to finish. The crowd is hotter than thick thumb, baby. <laughs> they don't let up the entire time. The screams and the screeches from the women when Ricky Morton is taking the heat and the Andersons cutting off the ring and stopping Ricky Morton from making a tag to Robert Gibson. It's incredible. It is tag team wrestling to a T from that time period. Fantastic stuff and just phenomenal watching what we saw back then as two heels versus one of the hottest baby-faced tag teams of all time in that environment, hot crowd, 
uh, hotter than you can imagine uh, for just just a just a TV taping. But it was just tremendous stuff. Tremendous. And again, I mean, think about the guys that are in there. You're talking about you're talking about Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson, one of the best tag teams of all time with the rock and roll. And then Arn and Ole. I mean, uh, it's hard to dispute, you know, how great Arn was and just great stuff. So write that down. July 19th, 1986, Saturday night on TBS, rock and roll versus Arn and Ole. Not even for the belts or anything. They're not even champions, either one of them, if, if my memory's correct. It's just two hot tag teams going at it. Good stuff. I mean, you're, just you're great master, stuff. Masters of their craft. With that tag team match, obviously, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it it certainly was. So lots of fun. But that that was my favorite. There there are more, obviously. You know, because I mean, in, growing up Southern tag teams. I mean, th- there were a lot of great ones. But I, I figured I didn't want to give out too many. I said I'm going to pick one, and and literally it came to my mind because I watched that one about a year and a half ago, and I go, oh man, that thing was so good. So yeah, you got to check that one out. So just a, just so we a, both got we both got homework coming out of this. Yeah, yeah, we got homework. Uh, and Mike Crockett sure. has double homework. <laughs> that asshole. <laughs> Doesn't even support you. I, I can't even... I, it's funny. Like, I've heard you ask him a million times. Crockett, you, uh, you, why, you, you get your Honor Club subscription? No, 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 no. Uh, and, it, and it's like, okay, Crockett, did you, uh, you, you, uh, you know, you watch my match uh, last weekend? Uh, no, no, no. He's got to be the only wrestling podcast host that I know... That doesn't even like wrestling. Doesn't even watch it. <laughs> doesn't watch a second of it. And Crockett, do not blame it on the kid because this happened long before that. He uses that poor little guy as an excuse, you know. <laughs> but you know, we both have multiple kids, and we find time to do things. Oh Jesus Lord! By man, the way, I kid, should... the kid is adorable. Like Crockett's kid is a, a, an adorable kid. Thank God he looks like his mother. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love giving Crockett a hard time. And if you want to give Crockett a hard time, make sure you go follow the WPAN on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Just search at the WPAN. Is that right, Brian? I'm trying to make sure I got it correct. It's right. That is it's correct. at the WPAN. At, yeah, we're at the WPAN at uh, on all forms of social media. And um, I love to give uh, Crockett a hard time on Twitter after I listen to the shows weekly. So, uh, yeah, give him a hard time as well. Send him your hate mail and tell him to support his friend and stop being a jabroni and not watching his friends wrestling. There you go. <laughs> also, if you want to stay in touch with the show and, um, you know, use the voicemail line because Crockett wants to hear from you. He loves it. Even though Brian Malonis, he forgot to play my voicemail one week and played it the next week because he's so busy. But <laughs> seriously, Crockett and Malonis, they want to hear from you. So get your voicemails in and we will play them on the podcast. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-9726 or 401-584-WPAN. And um, Crockett did tell me to say, he appreciates all your contributions to the podcast when you call in, so make sure you do that right now. Again, one more time, it's 401-584-9726, and get your thoughts on the wrestling podcast about nothing played on air. All right, Brian, before we get to you know your highways and byways, Mike left me a note to plug myself, but um, should I plug Book in the Territory? I've been, I've been on oh, yeah. for an hour. Plug, plug Book in the Territory. <laughs> so anyway, you hear Crockett every single week. He talks about my show. And yes, it is very unprofessional. The language is extremely strong. But we talk about Southern wrestling. On Sundays, we do a show on Smoky Mountain Wrestling, which was Jim Cornette's baby in the 90s. And on Thursday nights, our shows drop where it is the Saturday night recaps on TBS from the mid-80s. We started in 85. We're up to 88 
by now. It's a lot of fun. It's some of Ric Flair's greatest promos. I mean, you got the Andersons in there. You got the Four Horsemen. It's the birth of the Four Horsemen. You got the Rock and Roll, the Midnight Express, the Jim Cornettes. It's a lot of fun. We have a great time. Um, and it's just, uh, it's, it's a good time. But again, language is strong. So you've been warned. And as I say that, the Northern version of BTT is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast with Joe Murata and Michael Quinn. They do fantastic work on their show. They are slightly classier than BTT and a little bit more professional. <laughs> Actually, a lot more professional, uh, those guys are. Uh, but they give their take on the northern side of pro wrestling history. So check them out. Joe and Quinn are, are uh, really good dudes. And then, Brian, I was going to leave it up to you to talk about greetings from Allentown. Little PW out there, as uh, Joe and uh, Quinn like to say. But uh, he's a one-man show, and he does a good job. He takes like an episode of like wrestling each and every week, and he just goes through it and he kind of floats around, you know, he might do a little Smoky Mountain, a little NWA and whatnot. So, uh, uh, I haven't listened to his most recent one, but I know you've been a fan of, uh, his show for some time. So anything you want to say about his? Well, I'll just say this. When you listen to greetings from Allentown, you not only get to learn about pro wrestling, but you never quite know what else you're going to learn about. So, uh, yeah, PW does a great job and a great guy. He's PW has seen me wrestle live. More than my friend Mike Crockett has in the last five years. So there's Brian, a nice thing saying about PW. I hate to tell you this, but you got to you got to do a better job of picking your friends, man. This is uh, <laughs> I've been told this. <laughs> I mean, you booked him on your fucking show, and he showed up two minutes before the match he was supposed to ref. Oh, uh, you weren't God. available, Mike. You, you, you know, I didn't have it in the budget to fly in for this this one. I would have refed. It's been a long time since I've refed. Uh, not that I was a referee, but I mean, I think I can handle it. I know for a fact that because I do an hour of cardio a day, I wouldn't get blown up at the count of two, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Nor would I slap my hand down making it a one count and messing up the count of a match. That ROH story that he tells, I think that's hilarious <laughs> when he messed it up. And yeah, he fi- essentially stuff. fired himself. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's gonna hate us for this episode man <laughs> you're gonna catch it next week yeah, he's gonna be hot <laughs> and then last but not least check out the rundown wrestling podcast i believe they do a show like every day right brian or every oh, other yeah. day they, or got a, like that? they got a whole network over there they they're, yeah. they're, they're ripping stuff out content on every day uh you know jason adam and all the guys over at the rundown uh they do a great job and they have they have an entire network now they're they're expanding they're 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 growing an empire over there so yeah, give give the fellas over at Rundown Wrestling Podcast uh, you know, a listen and uh, tell them you know the brawler and uh, Mike Mills sent them. Yeah, because we know they won't go over there if Mike Crockett tells them to do that. Uh, <laughs> They're probably no, avoid I'm Just kidding. They're probably <laughs> All right, Brian. Um, um, it's almost time for the promo about nothing. But before we get into that, are you uh, hitting those highways and byways and uh, doing some traveling? I am, man. So hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing this great. That's what it is. Flying my trade as a pro doing that pro wrestling thing. <laughs> yeah, you got dates. Yeah, I, don't, I don't like that part of it. Oh, okay. The pro wrestling thing part of it is uh, that's Michael trying to be cool and hip, and he's really not. Jesus, <laughs> it's like it's like when Jericho says uh, "pagey wagey" or "page" or, or whatever. Like I like Jericho, <laughs> but when he says those things on his podcast, I laugh. Yeah, that's what it reminds me of. But you got dates. I do have dates, Mike, and uh, not. I get this weekend off. How about that? That's that's. Really nice Beautiful. to have a, have a weekend off. But uh, the following week, I'm heading to the city of brotherly love, not the city of brother love. Rocky's hometown, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 2300 Arena, Ring of Honor's international TV taping. I don't think me and the Bruisers match has been announced yet, but it's going to be a good one. I can't tell you what it is. 
but uh, <laughs> maybe I can tell you off air, Mike. <laughs> but I can't, we can't tell the fans yet. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a good one. But uh, Ring of Honor International TV tape and all the stars of Ring of Honor will be there. All the fallout from the Best in the World pay-per-view, which, oh, by the way, is the night before on Friday night, uh, June the 28th. So if you're within striking distance of uh, Philadelphia and the 2300 Arena, I'd say get your butt down there. Go to ROHWrestling.com for tickets and card information. On July the 13th, I head back to Brew City Wrestling in Waukesha, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, check out Brew City Wrestling online for all their ticket and card information. July the 20th, I head back to the Big Apple, Mike, the big city, Real Honors International TV taping at the Manhattan Center, the Hammerstein Ballroom, uh, ROHWrestling.com for tickets and information. The very next day, I get to come home of sorts to the city I've had more professional wrestling matches in uh, than any other, and that's Lowell, Massachusetts, uh, for Ring of Honor's mass hysteria. Uh, I'll be bringing the bruiser in tow with me. Hopefully, we'll be on the meet and greet. Uh, and it's always exciting to come home and wrestle in front of my hometown crowd and friends and family, uh, you know, in in the Massachusetts area. So that's uh, Sunday, July the twenty first at the Lowell Memorial Auditorium, where Shawn Michaels lost his smile. How about that? Oh my God, I. <laughs> Have I ever told you I'm not really a Shawn Michaels fan? You ever? You, did you know that? Um, I, whole, I believe I did know that. Uh, neither yeah. am I. I'm I, I, I'm also not a Bret Hart fan either. <laughs> it just the whole I lost my smile thing. It's like, dude, get the. <sighs> anyway, uh, I don't want to make anybody mad. It just I just was never a uh, Shawn Michaels fan. But uh, I um yeah just just didn't do it for me um but you know that's how it goes sometimes so that's cool man you're on the road again doing some good things and uh maybe crockett will um you know watch a match at least on tv since he only goes it's only been to a few and that's crazy he just he's only been to like two i know the the msg and then the one in um uh this was about a year ago um the the what's the auditorium where you where you you ROH always goes and Lowell. yeah he's only been to one of those though okay been there three the times and uh, he's oh, only been okay. to one so right. we'll stop yeah. he's not a very good friend <laughs> I'll stop burying him at this moment so if you want to send any hate mail send it to uh, at Mike five hundred four Saints and not uh, at Brian Malona so there you go <laughs> all right Brian it's time to get into our promo about nothing but. I think I want to call it the promo about something. Uh, would you agree? Because uh, it's definitely about something. It's definitely about something. There's definitely something it's about here. <laughs> okay. With that said, we are traveling to Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Yes, I do a show on this promotion. It, it is insane. Some of the things you hear and see. And this is just one of them. And this is March the 13th of 1993. We are about to fly into a promo where... Bob Cottle is about to interview the stud stable, who is Robert Fuller and Jimmy Golden, along with Dutch Mantel. Uh, we will include the link in the show description of this. But here is this week's, I'm going to call it, promo about something. With us right now, the stud stable. What about the bluegrass brawl? Little fellas, let me tell you something. Stay out of my face and hold the microphone up high, because stud's going to tell you, I got 15 women running around on me. IRS up my rear end, son. I got all kinds of problems, but I'm going to guarantee you, son, I ain't going to do the Von Eric thing. Don't you know what I'm talking No, I'm not, because I found out now that we got the match we've been waiting on. This is the one that puts everything in order. Jim Cornette and Heavenly Bodies, you're 
going to be out of it, boys. And then I seen you jerk the sheet on the hot dog, the one-legged hot dog. Dutch, hold his head. Jimmy, get hold of his legs. I'll snap that thong on you. And son, I guarantee you, you're going straight to the hospital. Your career is over in All right, fans. Brian, you heard this this week for the first time, and I've seen it a million times. What was your first reaction? Um, so, I mean, I think you have to watch it, too. So I would advise the fans to click the link in the description and watch this, too. Because you might, you might hear what he said and not quite know what he means, because... It could mean a number of things. It could mean so when he says the Von Eric thing, if you're just listening to it, you could be wrestling barefoot. You know, it could be kissing girls on your way to the ring. Uh, it could be wrestling with your brothers. Uh, but he mm-hmm. makes a very distinct uh, gesture with his hand to the side of his head. Uh, I'll just say it. He makes a gun symbol, or like he makes a mannerism, like he's. Pulling a trigger and blowing his brains out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, you know, uh, I didn't realize Smoky Mountain was this uh, edgy. Um, I mean, do, do, let me ask, let me ask you this, because I, I don't know, are fans gonna? How much are fans in at this time? You know, nineteen ninety three. Are even gonna pick up on that? Um, is this is this done to pop the boys? Like, what is the motivation here? Well, so a little bit of background here. Uh, it's been a while since we covered this on our Smoky Mountain show, but the first time I heard it, I just, I just, I didn't know what to think. Like, part of me was like, that was Southern wrestling. I mean, they said worse things, believe it or not. I mean, believe it or not, Southern wrestling was not politically correct at all. I mean, it, you could say it and do it, but um, I think, I think, I mean, this is 93, so I think people knew exactly what he meant. Um, when he said it, most did, I think wrestling fans, he literally puts his finger to his temple. Like he's about to blow his brains out. And, um, so I, it's quite apparent of what he's talking about. He's, he's kind of mocking the suicide and I don't mean to laugh at it, but it's what he did a little bit more background of this. So I actually, um, asked Cornette about this, you know, cause this is his promotion. And I'm like, did you even know he was going to go out there and say it? And one, which I knew the answer was probably no, because we know promos weren't scripted back then. He just did it, and he was just trying to generate heat. They're heels, so he's just trying to say something that'll get people worked up. And I'm guaranteeing it did get people worked up. And then I thought to myself, you know, okay, Corny, you didn't know he was going to say it. So when he said it, did you think, oh, damn, we're in trouble? And he said no. You know, and to his knowledge, the TV station didn't get phone calls and things like that. Now... Can you imagine this being said nowadays on television? Um, imagine if somebody said this on ROH or WWE programming or Impact. Hell no. People would lose their jobs. I mean, the guys who said it, the guys who let it on air, without question, people would be fired <laughs> over, over something over, like that. Man. Man, I, I got to ask, what's so? <sighs> so I, I don't know if you've ever talked about this, but there's like kind of like the legends of, of Robert Fuller. And and uh, no, I don't. I don't know for a fact that he's got an elephant trunk down there, but I've heard the legends too. <laughs> but is that uh, what he's talking about with the one-legged hot dog? <laughs> like- no, 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 no. Okay, so what you don't know, what you don't, what you don't realize is, at that same television taping, Arn Anderson debuts in Smoky Mountain. I think it was that taping, or maybe the one before that. And I think the deal was Arn had come off in a leg injury, 
in like WCW, like maybe right before that. So when he says the one-legged hot dog, what they were doing was they were working towards a feud where it was going to be the Heavenly Bodies, which was um, Cornette and his guys, um, Bobby Eaton, um, Stan Lane, and Dr. Tom Pritchard versus the Stud Stable, which was at this point Dutch Mantel, uh, Jimmy Golden, uh, Bunkhouse Buck, Jimmy Golden here, though, and Robert Fuller. And they were going to go up against the Rock and Roll Express. And who was the third member of it was going to be Arn. That's right. Arn was going to be with the Rock and Roll Express and Arn had come off an injury. So when he said the the one legged hot dog, he was talking about Arn. It, it, it might not make a whole lot of sense, oh, but that's okay. that's who he's referring to when he says, I heard you, j- you jerk the sheet off the hot dog, the one legged hot dog. What it was was they had Arn out there in like a sheet because he was like a surprise. They had a sheet over him, literally a white sheet. A white sheet in the Smoky Mountains. Go figure. I mean, it's like it's KKK kid territory or oh something. Oh, boy. Yeah, <laughs> it itself, huh? Right. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that. But anyway, they pull the sheet off of him, and it's Arn, and the people go nuts in the building because he's Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and it's Arn Anderson in 93. So, um, But again, coming off a leg injury, so that's what that's what the reference was to the one-legged hot dog. Ah, okay. I didn't, like I said, I didn't know if he was – there was – I mean, if you haven't heard the legends of Robert Fuller, um, you know, just – Elephant trunk. Know. Yeah, just go, just go search it, and you, you can you can read the legends for yourself. But I didn't know if that's yeah. what it was in reference to. But <laughs> no, other than other than other than that, and the <laughs> reference to suicide, boy, that was a hell of a promo. Yeah, <laughs> like I said, it's not a promo about nothing. It was definitely about something, something rather insane, and we can leave it at that. So, oh, Brian, uh, anything else that you want to discuss here today on the wrestling podcast about nothing? No, I think I think that promo about about uh, the job. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I agree. You so now you've heard the promo about something. Yes, I modified it, Mike Crockett. If you want the full picture, find the link to this video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. Other than that, we will be well. Crockett hopefully will be right back here along with the brawler Brian Malonis next week on next Monday for episode 165 of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Till then, he is the brawler Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Mills from Booking the Terror. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing. Nothing.